Scammers are stealing hundreds of millions of pounds every year. They bombard us with fraudulent texts, emails and calls. And what's more, their tactics are getting increasingly sinister. To keep across the latest scams, sign up to our free Scam Alert service to help you stay ahead of the latest scams and protect yourself. Go to witch.co.uk forward slash scam alert dash newsletter. That's witch.co.uk forward slash scam alert dash newsletter. Thank you. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. Flexible working is absolutely kind of vital to us being able to and indeed wanting to stay and work when we're in our 50s and 60s. The reality is not everyone who unretires has the luxury of choice. So, you know, the cost of living pressures and ageism from hiring managers are two factors, which mean that some people just have no other option but to work for themselves. The self-employed have to jump through far more hoops to be able to prove that they are gainfully self-employed. This week, we're hearing how many retirees are swapping a quiet life to return back to work, specifically as self-employed. Now, given the rising cost of living, this might not come as a surprise, but as we'll go on to unpack today, there's more to being your own boss than financial independence. In today's show, we'll be hearing from people who have already taken the plunge, discussing the hurdles from tax to access to financial products and asking, is it worth it? And to guide us through, I'm very pleased to say I'm joined by the expert on the matter, which journalist, Matthew Jenkin. Hello, Matthew. Hello. To start then, Matthew, how widespread is this? People coming out of retirement to go back to work. Why has it got people talking about it now? Well, interestingly, there definitely seems to be an increased appetite among the over 50s and over 60s to return to work and specifically the self-employed. The Office for National Statistics recently found an uptick in the number of over 65s choosing to be their own boss. Mm. Figures from the ONS's Labour Force survey from last year showed a 29% rise in the number of over 65s taking up part-time self-employed work from April to June 2022. And that has helped boost the overall number of over 65s in employment by a record one and a half million people. Wow, that is a lot, isn't it? So it's a lot. And of, of course, the reality is not everyone who unretires has the luxury of choice. So, you know, the cost of living pressures and ageism from hiring managers are two factors, which mean that some people just have no other option but to work for themselves. But then there are other people who, for, for them, self-employment is a path that, you know, can offer really rich rewards. Specifically, the flexibility offers, the sort of, as you mentioned, the financial independence it can mm. give you. And people might want to use those skills, that extensive experience to earn a bit of extra money or to turn a hobby into a way of life. So the number of people unretiring, as you say, really has shot up recently. And I should say that this all comes at a time when MPs have called for older people or what they're calling the economically inactive to get more support to start their own businesses. So this might be retirees or anyone over 50 who's found themselves out of work. You know, to me, it, at the outset, it, it sounds good in practice. Do you think it will be implemented? 
Uh, I mean, it's interesting because at the moment, there don't seem to be any massively concrete plans to do so. During the pandemic, we saw a huge wave of people drop out of work. The Resolution Foundation, for example, claims that three quarters of the 830,000 working age adults that left the labour market during the pandemic are aged over 50. Many of them had gone into early retirement. So the government's really, really pushing these people to return to work in order to boost economic growth, especially during a cost of living crisis, soaring inflation. It's been a particular focal point for the Chancellor. In fact, he's announced several changes in the spring budget to encourage more people out of retirement, including a shake-up of pension limits and tax-free allowances. But in terms of other support, at the moment, it's just plans and suggestions. In July, the Work and Pensions Select Committee suggested a self-employment support programme, the intention being to replace the Enterprise Allowance Scheme, which closed in January last year. That scheme offered funding to new entrepreneurs, and as many as 161,000 businesses were set up off the back of it. So it's obviously really important. Mm. And the main reason they're targeting the over 50s is because they've found that 31,000 of those businesses that were started were started by people aged over 50. So you can see why the government is taking self-employment so seriously. But other than that, as I said, there's been a few sort of ill-advised advice about the over 50s becoming Deliveroo drivers. But apart from that, Mm. there hasn't been much more concrete plans set in place. Well, politicians certainly seem to think it's the ideal way to get people back into work, but not everyone completely agrees, as we'll hear later in the show. But first, let's go back to the data to find out a bit more about the older people choosing to return to work. Here's Dr Emily Andrews, the Deputy Director for Work at the Centre for Ageing Better. And here we asked her for her thoughts on the ONS data. The data paints kind of two pictures of the kind of person who is in self-employment later ages. So on the one hand, there's a group of people who we would suspect are making a positive choice. So groups who are more likely to move into self-employment in their 50s and 60s are men, people with high level qualifications, people living in more affluent workers, people who worked in the private sector, people who were doing work based on cognitive tasks. So those are often likely to be kind of well-off people, people moving into self-employment for the flexibility, right? And flexible working is absolutely kind of vital to us being able to and indeed wanting to stay in work when we're in our 50s and 60s. Again, particularly if we've got a care responsibility, we're looking after our parents, spouses, adult children, grandchildren, care responsibilities can really kind of feature at this age group. So self-employment, that greater flexibility, if you're doing those kind of like high cognitive tasks, those skills which you can sell in as consultancy, self-employment is going to be a really good way for kind of staying in work. But the data also suggests there are people with a kind of less secure employment history are also more likely to move into self-employment. So people who are on temporary contracts, people who previously been in a job for less than five years, people who are working part-time. And our concern there is that what that's telling us is that you've got people moving into self-employment because they can't find a secure job. My concern is that it's that ageism in the recruitment process is also pushing people into self-employment who may not have the financial security to do that, which might not be the best financial decision. And they could be, for example, putting their pension savings on a less stable fitting by moving into this kind of work. Well, it's certainly not a case that people are coming off the golf course and starting businesses, at least for most people, I'm sure. But Matt, can we go into some of the nitty gritty now? Can we get a reminder of the different types of self-employment? What exactly are we talking about here? 
Yeah. So if just in case we're not clear on what self-employment is, it refers to anyone who works for themselves and they're not employees of another entity, should we say. But there's more than one way to be your own boss, of course. The first and simplest type of self-employment is something that probably people are more familiar with, which is a sole trader, sort of a freelancer. And, you know, as the name suggests, they work on their own, they make their own money and are personally liable for any losses or debts. And then the other type, the other main type that people may have heard of is a operating a limited company. And that means that the business is legally separate from its owners, you as the self-employed person, and you must be registered with Companies House. It's a very popular option with self-employed contractors. And these are people who perform tasks on a contractual basis, as the name also suggests. And that usually lasts for a set amount of time. It could be six months to a year, even a couple of months. But because they don't receive any benefits from the employer, such as sick pay, holidays, workplace pension, they can usually charge more for their services and experience. Operating as a limited company, though, it also has certain tax benefits. And that's that's something we can touch on later, but um, it's one of the big attractions of contracting in particular and why a lot of self-employed people go down that route. You can also go into another business. You can also go into business with another self-employed worker and form a partnership. So there's lots of ways to be self-employed, lots of options to think about. I mean, there definitely is a lot to get your head around. And I feel like we're really just touching the surface here. And especially as Dr. Andrew said, if you might have care responsibilities or a history of unsecured jobs. Well, in a moment, we'll be hearing from people who have already taken the plunge after a quick break. You've probably heard of Which Magazine, our home of hard-hitting journalism and informative stories delivered directly to our members. There's our travel, money and tech mags too. But did you know you can hear some of our best articles for free, available to listen to whenever you like? Each week on the Witch Shorts podcast, we bring you a specially selected story, lovingly voiced and produced especially for you, on a whole range of fascinating topics. Just search Witch Shorts wherever you're listening. Hi there, it's producer Rob here. Now, maybe you're a new listener, maybe you've been listening for ages. Well, either way, if you're finding this podcast useful then you might also like to subscribe to Witch Money. You'll get our monthly magazine packed with tips on how to make the most of your cash, from growing your savings and investments to avoiding rip-offs and scams. You'll also be able to call our experts on the Witch Money helpline as often as you like to get answers to your money queries. Just visit witch.co.uk forward slash join money. That's witch.co.uk forward slash join money. And sign up today. Now, I've been really excited for this next bit. Retirees turned self-employed bosses. Rosie and Jenny have been kind enough to share their story with us. First up, here's Rosie, who now runs a clothes shop in the northeast of Scotland. I am a retired head teacher in the northeast of Scotland. I've always loved shopping. I've always loved colour and I've always loved style and clothing. So when the franchise House of Colour came on the market, I decided that I would use some of my lump sum in actual fact to buy the franchise. The reason that I was drawn to a franchise was that I would be more in control of the timing that I worked, the way that I worked, 
when I could go on holiday, when I couldn't go on holiday. And I knew it would just fit very nicely around my lifestyle. Your own business is your own. You're doing your own admin. You're doing your own marketing. And I suppose for me, one of the biggest challenges was that I had always been surrounded by people in a school, the staff, the children, the parents. And then suddenly I'm on my own. So how did I overcome that? Networking. And it served more than just meeting up with new people. It also allowed me to meet up with people with more business experience than I had. It's really important to keep your brain active, use it or lose it. And that was one of the reasons that I thought, no, this is something that I can do that I will enjoy doing that will make me feel fulfilled. So flexibility played a big factor for Rosie. And, you know, it's just very inspiring to hear this story of someone taking a leap into a totally new career, one that came from her passion for shopping and style and clothes. Matthew, obviously now retirement's a long way off for you, but has it got your brain ticking? Is there a side hustle or something else you could see yourself doing in later years? Preferably, I'd like to just relax and uh, not work at all until I die. But uh, I die at a very old age, I'm hoping. But no, if I had to do anything, I suppose the one thing I'd love to do is maybe write a book. Could be rubbish, but at least it would keep me busy and my mind active. That's what I'd like to do. I'm, I'm hoping I'm not having to worry too much about money, but you never know. I'm sure my pension isn't as generous as other people's. But yeah, I mean, retirement is definitely something. Uh, I'm in my 40s now. So it's something that you do start to think about, even though it's a long way off, as you Mm. say. I love that, Matt. I actually think you should keep it on the back burner or maybe you should start writing now. Good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe one page a day. (laughs) Baby steps. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's a really nice idea that you can go on to do something that you love, another thing that you love, another wind, a second wind, a third wind, however many times you might change your career. And for me... Oh, I don't know. I mean, there are so many things I love. Maybe I'll open a clothes shop or actually I've always wanted to have a bar or kind of an event space. So watch this space. Sign me up as long as I can come. Come (laughs) for a drink, get some free drinks. Of course. (laughs) Well, when you have your book deal, it can be. That's it. We can launch it. We can launch it at your bar. (laughs) Well, daydreaming aside, there are also, of course, some cons and big financial questions to consider. Here's Jenny to start us off, a voiceover artist now working self-employed. Last week, I had a knee replacement. There is absolutely no way that I could do some different types of work at the moment and probably won't be, I mean, I won't even be able to drive a car for the next couple of months. So being self-employed and in my case, working mainly from home is really, really useful. And that is one of the really great things about being self-employed. On the other hand, I don't get any sick pay. Whereas when I was working for an employer and I got cancer, I did have the advantage that I was getting sick pay from my employer over the months in which I was recovering from the cancer. So it's kind of swings and roundabouts. So not getting sick pay, it's a big one to consider. And Matt, the next thing that comes to my mind, and it's a huge topic, tax. Yeah. And it's one of those things that most people dread. 
But unfortunately, there's no getting away from it. If you're self-employed, it's your responsibility to file your own taxes to HMRC and pay them. It can be very complicated and daunting. But the first step is to register with HMRC to file what's called a self-assessment. This is an online or paper form that's submitted to the tax office every year, end of October if it's paper, end of January if it's online. And in that form, you declare all your income you've received during the financial year and how much tax you owe. Income tax is the main one that all self-employed workers need to think about. If you own a limited company and pay yourself using dividends, then you will also need to file and pay the relevant tax on those earnings. As I explained earlier about the difference between uh, being self-employed through a limited company and the reason why people do it, it's because the rate of dividends tax is significantly lower than income tax. So contractors often choose to pay themselves a minimum salary and then the bulk in dividends. And as a limited company, you've also got to be aware that you've got to pay corporation tax. So that's an extra tax to think about. If you charge for goods and services and your taxable turnover is more than 85000 then you might also be liable to pay VAT. All self-employed people, though, no matter what your age, you can reduce your tax bill by deducting work-related expenses from your income. And you can earn up to an extra £1,000 tax-free from what's called the trading or property allowance. So there are savings to be made. And what about national insurance too? You know, it's something that feeds into your state pension. But once you hit retirement age, what then? Well, if you are over the state pension age, which is currently 66, you don't need to worry about paying national insurance, fortunately, even if you carry on working. So that's one less tax to worry about, really. And going deeper still then into the finances of it all, what else would you need to consider? Do you tend to need a lump sum to start a business? What are your options here? You don't need a big lump sum to start a business or to go self-employed necessarily. But one of the biggest issues is cash flow. So you've got to be very aware that your income, unlike when you're employed, you get the same, perhaps get the same salary every month. When you're self-employed, your income's likely to fluctuate from month to month, especially at the beginning when you're just starting out. When I was a freelancer, I definitely experienced this firsthand in that invoices sometimes won't be paid on time or business can be quite slow. So you've got to prepare yourself for that by budgeting carefully. Otherwise, you could find yourself unable to pay essential bills or or any tax due at the end of the year. One way to get on top of that is to look at what you earned in the last three months and calculate the average. That's a good tip. That should give you a rough idea of what you might expect to earn in the coming months and you can sort of budget accordingly. There are also what's called open banking budgeting apps and they can be quite useful for getting an overview of multiple bank accounts if you have them and credit cards in one place. And hopefully from 2024, there's some changes coming into the way you actually file taxes. It's called making tax digital and um, it's going to come into force for income tax. And it basically involves keeping digital records of accounts and sending summaries to the tax office every quarter instead of every year. So that's every three months. And the idea behind that is that it's going to help people keep track of how much tax they owe in real time, therefore making it easier to budget for their tax bill. 
Now, if you are struggling financially, you've got to be aware as well that getting a loan can be a little bit trickier if you're self-employed. Lenders can't discriminate against you based on your age, but your income will play a large role in whether you're accepted, how much you can borrow and the rate of interest charged. So they'll usually require proof of income for the last couple of years and a recent tax return. And that's something which may not be possible for anyone who's just starting out. Older self-employed people might also face challenges if their income is expected to decrease after retirement, and that could impact uh, loan repayment ability, for example. So there are some challenges, but I feel like it's definitely all about sort of budgeting and, and just being prepared, but having that sort of financial cushion to fall back on. I mean, there's definitely a lot to consider, isn't there? So does it need to be simplified? Well, some say, yes, it does. We've been speaking to Fred Hicks. He's a senior policy advisor at IPSE, which is the Association of Independent Professionals and the Self-Employed. And he feels the current financial system should be reformed to help encourage more people to turn to self-employment. So I think what we need more than anything is to arrive at a position where our tax legislation and employment legislation is not constantly challenging the self-employed on a day-to-day basis about their status. It's something that employees don't experience when they apply for a mortgage or they go to rent a home. But the self-employed have to jump through far more hoops to be able to prove that they are gainfully self-employed, whether that's accessing financial products like mortgages or it's the tax system where they're constantly having to prove that they are genuinely self-employed and they are in business on their own account. What we want to see more than anything is for the legal system that underpins our tax and employment rules to be modernised and simplified so that it better reflects the way that self-employed people work today and so that they don't have to constantly defend their status as a self-employed person and allow them to continue pursuing their career as a freelancer. So with all this in mind then, let's finish today with some advice for anyone who might be considering entering the world of self-employment or might have parents, grandparents, friends who might be. First, let's hear again from the women we heard from earlier. Here's Rosie and Jenny with their advice. It is quite lonely being in business on your own. And it's hard work to begin with. Of course, it's hard work. And you need to have that understanding about get people around you that are going to support you and also to get that network working as soon as you possibly can so that you're not on your own. It's important to have an accountant that will be there to help you and advise you, a good bank manager, if you can find one, that will also support you and help you. So it's really important that you have these people around you that will be there to support you. So get those people around you and treasure them. How you use your money is really essential when you're self-employed because the temptation is the money comes in, here's a cheque, let's stick it in the bank, let's spend it. Well, it's not like a salary. There are things that you are going to have to spend some of that money on and that is, depending on your age, obviously, your tax, your national insurance, and indeed your pension. You're going to need to set some of that aside for that. I always used to set aside at least 25% of my money into a separate account and would say to myself, you can't touch that 
because that's for this year's tax bill. So you really do need to plan your finances and not just go, well, hey, somebody's just given me so many hundred pounds, I'm going to go out and treat myself. Really invaluable advice there from both Jenny and Rosie. And to finish, Matthew, is there anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that we didn't haven't covered so far is what happens if things go wrong? What protections are there? Should you need help? So if you don't have the right protection as a self-employed worker, you could find yourself completely on your own and out of pocket as well. So, you know, taking out an insurance policy is one way to protect you against some of the risks you might face while working for yourself that previously, if you were employed, that your employer would cover or would be liable for. So, for example, income protection. That's one way that many self-employed people consider as a must-have, really. It covers you, you know, should you be uh, off sick or have an accident. It pays a percentage of your estimated monthly salary. However, even though it's considered an essential, a lot of old customers have more limited options when choosing this type of cover. Insurers won't sell income protection to anyone over retirement age. And that makes the need for careful budgeting, as I said, even more vital if you're in this age bracket. Even if you are aged under 66, age still makes a difference in terms of price. The older you are, the higher the premium. And data that uh, has been supplied to us by GoCompare shows the average price for a customer aged 25 opening a policy with a benefit amount of £1,000 and a maximum claim duration of two years is £7.97 per month. It almost doubles to £16.14 per month if you're over 45. So again, the older you are, the more you're likely to pay. There are other types of useful cover which are open to self-employed workers of all ages, though. Public liability insurance, for example, covers the cost of third-party compensation claims made against you if you damage someone's property or cause an injury or death. Professional indemnity covers legal fees or damages in the event an unhappy client takes you to court, sues you. And finally, business buildings insurance protects you against damage to your workplace, and that could be your office or even your home. The most important lesson here is to get cover. Don't think that it won't happen to you. That's what insurance is there for and to make sure that you're protected should things go really wrong. Thank you so much, Matthew. We've covered so much ground today. You know, it's no small undertaking, is it, going self-employed, whether you're retired or not. But we've covered so much advice and I hope it's inspired some of our listeners today. So thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. A huge thanks again to Matthew and all of our guests on the show today and to you for listening to this week's episode of The Witch Money Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please do hit subscribe to make sure you catch our new episodes as soon as they drop. For more money news and advice, find us on social media at witchmoney and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money. And we also have a free money newsletter which is delivered to your inbox every Monday. To sign up, visit witch.co.uk forward slash money newsletter. This episode of The Witch Money Podcast was written by me, Lucia Ariano, produced by myself and Rob Lilly, edited by Eric Breer, with additional support from Grace Witherden. Last minute escapes. In the sun. What is the best airline? Or the worst airline? What happens if my flight is delayed? Or cancelled? Would I be put on a new flight? Or would I be refunded? What if it takes me days to get home? 
Hmm, benefits of a UK staycation. When life gives you questions, get answers at which.co.uk.